How about this? Recording bright and early on a Sunday. Isn't this nice? You know what the best part about this is? Hmm. It's light outside. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to tell me a terrible story, and then I still got like 10 hours to turn my day around. (laughs) You know what I mean? Perfect. Yes. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. We are recording bright and early. I went straight to coffee. What I should be drinking this morning is Athletic Greens, though. You must be talking about that supplement that you can add to your water. (laughs) And with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Yeah, so why didn't I have that first? Instead, I had a coffee where I added all of the sugar and creamer, and I should be drinking Athletic Greens. I need some small, healthy changes. I need to like make it through the day without crashing, and Athletic Greens is where it's at. It's a small habit with big benefits, and you can just do it at the very beginning of the day and get your day started right. Yeah, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which those are super convenient. And all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership of your health and pick up this ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Creepers. All right. Are you ready for this story today? Like I said, I mean, it is early morning. I feel like I could really make it through a scary story. I've got all the lights on. i got the blinds open. I can't tell this story without giving nearly all of the credit to Julie Knipe Brown. I think it's Knipe, K-N-I-P-E. She's a reporter for the Miami Herald, and she's a consultant for CBS who reported extensively on this case for over four years. She was really the one to crack it. So big thanks, Julie Brown. CBS's show 48 Hours did an episode on this case called Crazy Love. And also thank you to an episode of Dateline, Family Affair. God, I can't wait to not have a single clue what this is about and to just get absolutely flamed. For those people that don't know, the whole point of me being here is that I don't know any of these. So if that's not your jam. I was hoping you hadn't seen that review. No, here's the thing. I don't care. That's the whole thing. That's literally the whole premise of this. But I just died because people think it's like an actual bit that I'm doing. Right. And it's like they're frustrated that I don't know these things. And here's welcome my to my part. life. <laughs> I know, but it's not like I missed a required class. It's not like I I don't know how to like read or I don't know the like Pythagorean theorem. Like there was nothing that required me to consume all of this content. So I okay, just like, I, Mogab, did I it. think that we're just gonna have to be honest with the people. I think it's time <laughs> that they know. Y'all, Mogab. Is from another planet? What? She was like Kimmy Schmidt. I'm. She grew up in a bunker, you know, for twenty years <laughs> I don't in a know cult. Who that is, but and she, <laughs> that's because you've been in that bunker. It was based on your life, Bogab. You don't need to be modest. I know people really hate me, but listen, no, it's fine. people love you. It just made me laugh because when you were listing all the sources of, you know, it's been all over the place. CNN, Dateline. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you, your girl's still not gonna know. She's not gonna know. <laughs> Okay, tell me all about it, though. All right. So today I'm telling you about the Novak murders. By the time of her death at 86, Bernice Novak had lived a fabulous life. She had been a model for Coca-Cola and Salvador Dali in her early years. Okay, Bernie. 
Yeah. And then in the 50s, her husband, Ben Novak Sr., had built the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami. And by the 60s, it was the hottest spot on Miami Beach. People came from all over the world because the Fountain Blue was the place to be and the place to be seen. Everyone from John F. Kennedy to Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack stayed there. Sinatra even videotaped his special there in 1960 where he welcomed Elvis back from his military service. Oh my gosh. Lots of movies and TV shows were filmed there, and it became the destination. Is that hotel still there? It is. It was old Hollywood glamour. And for a time, the Novaks were like Miami Beach royalty. They lived in a penthouse suite at the hotel. And together, they had their fountain blue prince, Ben Novak Jr., who went by Benji. But then I've heard that he hated Benji. So we're just going to call him BJ. We're just going to call him Ben because I've heard that he did not like Benji, but I'll call Ben Sr. Ben Sr. if I'm referring to him. Okay. This won't be confusing at all. (laughs) Right. Where Bernice and Ben Sr. were charming icons of Miami, Ben Jr. was more of a loner. He didn't really have any friends and all of the service people at the hotel were terrified to be around him because even when he was young... It seemed like he had complete control over the hotel. Like he'd just fire housemaids or valet people on a whim. It sounds like a Benji to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because Ben Jr. was alone most of his childhood, he retreated into this obsession with Batman. And he'd continue (sighs) collecting Batman memorabilia for the rest of his life. He probably had one of the most extensive Batman collections of all time. Batman was also a loner. That's interesting. That's true. He was. In the 70s, Miami Beach had lost its glamorous appeal, and it was now seen as like the hot spot for old people. The hotel was (laughs) dying, and in 1977, the Novaks had to declare bankruptcy. And eight years later, Ben Novak Sr. died. By 2009, Bernice was living a nice, quiet life in an upscale neighborhood in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, surrounded by relics of that glamorous past. There was the grand piano that Frank Sinatra used to play and the hundreds of ball gowns she'd worn that still hung in her closet. Each one was labeled with the date and the event that she'd worn the dress to. She had diamond jewelry and she had scrapbooks full of pictures of her with world leaders and celebrities. And then in April of 2009, Bernice was found dead in her laundry room at 86 years old. It appeared that she'd slipped getting out of her car and then struggled into the house where she died. The initial report said she'd fallen and suffered head injuries, and the police and the medical examiner ruled her death accidental. More than likely, no one would have ever looked twice at her death if it weren't for what happened three months later, when her now 53-year-old son, Ben Jr., was found murdered in his hotel room. Oh my goodness. After his father's death, Ben found success in the hospitality industry. He started a company that organized conventions at big hotels. And Ben really seemed to have his father's flair for business. That is truly the Lord's work, P.S., as someone who just went to a week (laughs) of one. That is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) No. And by 2009, he was making $50 million a year with this business. Oh, my gosh. I know. We're in the wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I got to go real quick. In 1991, Ben met a young single mother from Ecuador who I had always thought her name was Nancy. But it turns out her name is Narcy, and I was just misreading it every time. Doing that girl a favor. 
Yeah, it's short for Narcissa. Maybe a oh, little bit I of do like that foreshadowing name. there. Really? Okay. And she had a 10-year-old daughter named May Abad. Ben and Narcy had met at a club in Miami where Narcy was dancing for tips and they hit it off. Soon, Ben and Narcy got married and she went from broke dancer to living in a $2 million waterfront property in the upscale Seven Isles development in Fort Lauderdale. Okay, fancy. Yeah. Fancy Narcy. She needs to go from Narcy to Narcissa, though. That would also <laughs> behoove her. Yes. Narcy shipped her daughter May off to a boarding school or to live with aunts or friends, and Narcy started helping Ben run his business. They weren't exactly a happy family. May was basically cut off from the family. She was sent off to just do life on her own. She got by as an adult with bartending jobs and things like that, while her mother and stepfather are again living in a $2 million home in Fort Lauderdale with a boat in the back. Oh my gosh. But once May had kids of her own, they really seemed to welcome her back into the fold. May said that her mother, Narcy, might have been a terrible mom, but she was a great grandma. And Ben really seemed to love his role as grandfather. May's kids loved playing with Ben's Batman collectibles, so he felt like he finally had someone to share that interest with. When she was in her late 20s, Ben even asked May to work for his business, and May felt like they were actually becoming a family. She started to look at him like her dad, and he looked at her like his daughter. Ben even started asking May if they could make it official and become his legally adopted daughter. After his mother died, May thought it would be a good time. Ben got all the paperwork in order, but it never got submitted because before he got around to it, Ben died. Ben's company had been putting on a large convention at the Rye Town Hilton Hotel in Rybrook, New York, which is a suburb about 35 minutes from Manhattan. The convention was for Amway Global International, which is an MLM that's been around since the 50s and sells health, beauty, and home care products. And they're also one of Ben's biggest clients. Wait, what are they called? Amway. Oh, never mind. Okay. There were about a thousand people there that weekend for the convention in a hotel with 455 rooms. So it was basically packed with all their people. That's nuts. It was Narcy who found Ben's body. (gasps) Just after 7.30 a.m. on July 12th, 2009, this was the last day of the convention, Narcy walked into their hotel to find a horrible sight. Ben was dead, lying face down on the floor in his underwear. His arms were taped behind his back, and his legs were taped below his knees. A detective on the scene described it as basically being hogtied. His face was covered in duct tape, and his head was covered with blood. They couldn't tell at the time, but later they would find that his eyes had been gouged out. (gasps) Yeah. Sergeant Terry Wilson led the investigation, and he first had to decide, was this a robbery or maybe a domestic situation that had gone wrong? Was this an isolated incident? The crime scene told him that Ben Novak Jr. had been targeted. There were clear signs of a struggle that had started on the hotel bed, and someone had hit Ben about a dozen times. Yeah, this is in their room. So someone got in their room. Yes. The sergeant had Narcy and May escorted to a nearby hotel so that somebody could take their statements, and he worked on establishing a timeline using phone records. At 6.45 a.m., a worker at the hotel had called and spoken to Ben to tell him about a problem with overcrowding at the breakfast, so he was definitely alive at 6.45. 
Narcy was seen on camera leaving the room at 7.17 a.m. to try and sort out the seating problem at breakfast, but within 30 minutes, she'd gone back up to the room and tripped over Ben's body. She'd run from the room, shrieking for help. Security arrived, and they had to hold Narcy back. She kept trying to lunge for Ben's body. She was howling and screaming. Oh, my God. Detective Allison Carpentier said the first thing Narcy said to her was, did Ben have a heart attack? No. That's not what the scene is telling you, sis. That's not what it looks like. Detective Wilson looked at the key card data for the room that the Novaks were staying in, and they realized it only told you when a card was scanned. It didn't tell you like every time the door was opened. Mm -hmm. No one scanned in that room from midnight until 740 when Narcy had come back to the room, which meant that whoever opened it. Exactly. Whoever killed Ben had been let into the room by him because there were no signs of forced entry. Yeah. Narcy was inconsolable. She was throwing herself on the floor, screaming. She told May that she thought whoever it was was after the convention money, somebody watching them that would know that they carried a lot of cash with them. Ben's conventions all ran on cash, which is really unusual, apparently. I don't know anything about conventions. I would assume it's pretty unusual. Right. May was in charge of keeping track of all the money, and that weekend they had taken in $100,000. And they didn't keep the money in safes. They kept the money under their beds in the hotel room. Yeah. An insider in the business would have known that. Police quickly rounded up all that cash and they got it stored safely until a bank could come and pick it up. So none of it had been stolen. Hmm. And there seemed to be other holes in this robbery theory. Narcy told them that there was a bracelet that was missing that had been spelled out in diamonds. But there was a Rolex still on the bed. Like, why take the bracelet and leave the watch? Leave Rolex. Yeah. Also, like, it's a good thing his name was short. Well, I guess you could have gotten Benjamin in diamonds. That's what I would have been like. If you would have got me the bracelet and it just said Ben, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> I just get Sam. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't spring for that. <laughs> Another motive for the murder that investigators came up with was Batman memorabilia. Ben had a comic valued at $43,000 that he had with him at the convention that weekend because he'd been planning on selling it. Maybe someone was trying to steal the comic. But then you also steal the Rolex. Uh, I mean. Right. Right. Or and, you just like hold them. And like they, the comic the was there. Like they didn't get away with it. You yeah. Know? Like everything was there except for this bracelet. Like most hotels, this one was covered in cameras. But none were posted right outside of the room where the murder took place. And there were about a thousand potential suspects, everyone that had been at the conference that weekend. One source said there was like 2,000 people there. Hmm. It was a huge task keeping track of everyone and trying to talk to as many people as they could. And they had zeroed in on one suspect, Narcy Novak. Okay. The attack on Ben seemed to have started on the bed. So it was really unlikely that he'd walked to the door and opened it up for someone and then gotten back in bed for them Mm. to attack him there. And the only other person who had access to that room was Narcy. Yeah. The day after the murder, Narcy was interviewed and she seemed distraught. She said she wished that she would have gotten killed with him. And she told investigators that it was possible that the door didn't shut properly behind her when she'd left that morning to go down to breakfast. She said she didn't open the door for anyone. But if the door hadn't locked properly behind her, someone else could have gone into the room. 
Narcy told investigators that she'd always loved Ben. But as investigators started getting to know who Ben was, they realized this was not a happy little family. One of Ben's best friends was a former police officer named Charlie Serrater, who told investigators that Ben had quite the wandering eye. Oh, no. He said he was always cheating and that Narcy <laughs> always suspected him of it. <laughs> It's not funny, but you were just like, he's always, always cheating. cheating. That's, always what constant. That's what he said, constantly cheating. Wait, this is my favorite part. This is like his best friend. Uh-huh. And he's like, love the dude, but he's <laughs> always cheating. Like that, right. you need friends like that in your life if you don't have them that love you unconditionally, but will absolutely call you out. <laughs> like 100%. You know, he's always cheating. He's always cheating. He has his flaws. investigators also learned that ben had a thing for bondage and he liked to be tied up in her interview narcy told detectives that he liked to be tied with his hands at the back which is exactly how he'd been found murdered why would she share that Um, you know what i mean like yeah i don't know yeah and then his (laughs) friend charlie shared one very bizarre story he said that he got a call one day in 2002 from ben who told him that in the middle of the night, three armed men had suddenly burst into their bedroom. He was attacked and tied to the metal frame of a leather chair and then robbed of somewhere between $300,000 and $400,000 in cash, as well as family heirlooms, antiques, jewelry, firearms, important documents, some of his Batman memorabilia. Oh my gosh. He was left tied to the chair for like 25 hours, and he told Charlie... I think my wife was involved. <gasps> Wait, that was 2002. What year was he killed? Mm-hmm. What year was this commission? 2009. Okay. Wow. Imagine being married and you think your husband's constantly cheating on you and you think your wife arranged a uh, like hit slash robbery. Right. And Ben thought this because <laughs> he said that when the men first burst into the room, Narcy shouted out, look out, he has a gun on his nightstand. And then worked with, <laughs> yeah. And then she worked with the intruders to turn off the security alarms. And before she left, leaving him tied up and gagged, she told him that she would kill him. So, how did they recover from that? Like, how do well, you? <laughs> then, like the next day, you're like, "Hey, you know, I've been reflecting on the previous right. night's how activities. Seven years later, are you still married? Yeah." <laughs> Ben filed a police report, but Narcy told police that it was a sex game gone awry. Ben then told police that he wouldn't cooperate in prosecuting her, so charges were never filed. Ben did file for divorce soon after, but less than a month after filing, he rescinded the divorce and he and Narcy reconciled. That is bizarre. <laughs> bizarre. They and better now- be in some high-cost counseling. <laughs> and now... Narcy was trying to act like this grieving widow, but it wasn't coming off like that to investigators. It also wasn't coming off like that to May. From Narcy's interview with police the day after the murders, May had begun to suspect that her mother had killed Ben. Yeah. May thought it was weird how Narcy described finding the body. She said she'd gone into the hotel room and it was dark and she'd tripped over the body and reached down to touch him before running out of the room screaming. Yeah, the tripping of her, I thought was weird when you said that the first time. Yeah. I didn't know if his body was like in front of the door and she was trying to get in the door. 
Yeah, I think it was like in the room and then the room was dark and she like tripped over him is what she said. May was one of the first people to see her mom after that when she's like running out of the room screaming and there was no blood on her at all. Yet the scene was described as a bloodbath. Hmm. And Narcy had quite the motive. With his mother Bernice dead, Narcy was Ben's sole beneficiary to an estate worth somewhere between five and ten million dollars. <gasps> she killed both of them. She what? killed that mama too. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> this is like episode 85, and I've seen heard some crazy <laughs> shit. Not only that, but Ben was also having an affair with a woman named Rebecca Bliss. They'd been in a serious relationship for two years at the time of his death. Ben had even moved her from Miami to a condo in Fort Lauderdale and told her that he loved her. Dang. And Narcy knew about Rebecca. In September of 2008, she called the FBI and told them that Ben was involved in an immigration scheme where he was arranging fake marriages, and she gave Rebecca's name as one of the fake brides. She just, like, made up this story. Wait, is Rebecca not... An American citizen? I don't know anything else about her, (laughs) but perhaps. In January 2009, she tried to end the lease on Rebecca's condo by claiming that Ben was dead and couldn't pay the rent anymore. But that was seven months before he actually died. (laughs) I can't keep laughing at all of this. It's it's terrible, but like... So ridiculous. Yeah. Did you ever think she went and confronted Rebecca or she just keeps doing like... I don't know. know. Yeah, they like don't question. address it. Like you're not going to like, hey, I know that you're cheating and that you're literally like housing this other woman. Right. But I'm just going to like try and deal with it behind your back and not address it. It's weird. Well, I think so, because if they got divorced, she would not be getting f- between five and ten million dollars. Oh, right. Yes. You know, they had How a prenup. So she's probably not confronting him about it because she doesn't want him to leave her for Rebecca. We were watching something on TV about a prenup the other day, and I like looked over at Russell. <laughs> I was like, hey, we never talked about setting one of these up. And he just looked at me and shook his head. He's like, you're ridiculous. <laughs> like, what, what would we even list? You should. Yeah, what, my student loans? <laughs> yeah, if you have $4 between the two of you, you should be dividing that two and two. You right. should set up a prenup. Okay. Well, right you don't. <laughs> You don't know what the future holds. We could make millions of dollars. You want Russell to run off into the sunset with all of that? <laughs> millions of dollars. Okay, I'll draft yeah. something up. But he just looked at me like. <laughs> you need a lawyer to do that. You can't just draft up your own prenup. <laughs> no. I know. Just write on a napkin. If we what? divorce, we split everything 50. If we divorce. I'm taking the dog, dumbass. While still in New York. May ended up confronting Narcy about all of it and accused her of killing Ben. They got into a huge fight over it. And May ended up telling police that she would cooperate against her mother in any way they needed her to. Well, it's not like they have the best relationship. Right. Like her mom was shipping her off to relatives and boarding school and stuff as soon as she had married Ben. Yeah. Sounds like she was like, I don't think I said this, but May was about 10 years old when they got married. So she was like 10 when she was being shipped off. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I always think of like boarding school as like high school, you know? But it sounds like she started to feel more of a connection to Ben when she came back around than her mom. Yes. Yeah, I think so. So I think that's where her loyalty lies a little bit. I think so. Yeah. Because he like wanted to adopt her. Like he really felt like she was part of the family. And yeah. 
Narcy sounds jelly. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. May and Narcy ended up going back to Florida separately. And three days after the murder, Narcy was at the Fort Lauderdale house and May stopped by to get her things out of the guest cottage on the property. She was planning on getting far away from Narcy. She was packing some stuff up when she saw Narcy coming toward her with a crowbar. <gasps> this, this woman is unhinged. This whole confrontation was caught on surveillance cameras at the house. Oh, good. Narcy started swinging the crowbar and May ran from her and Narcy started just chasing her around the yard with this crowbar. May called Charlie Serrator for help and he came over and broke up the fight, but not before Narcy whacked May with the crowbar. <gasps> yeah. Also, like, she just has a crowbar. What even is a crowbar? It's just like a metal bar. Why do we call it that? It's but like a metal bar that's like, like, like bent, right? Yeah. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. What? Who just says I don't know. that? I have no use for a crowbar, so <laughs> or maybe I have, and like I haven't been able to do stuff because I don't have one. What do you know. use them for? Breaking and entering. <laughs> <laughs> but like they can't just be manufacturing that <laughs> like, for that sole purpose. What's their actual function? I have no idea. <laughs> Crowbars at home. De- oh yeah, it's like a crowbar uses. Oh, it's to pry stuff up, like wood. Oh, okay. If you have like a wood floor and you're like popping up the ah, ah the floor, okay. it's like a little okay. Good to know. It's a pry bar, a pry bar. Okay. At this point, Narcy is in line to get everything from Ben's estate, and May was worried that she was going to get away with this and get the money. So May filed a civil lawsuit against her mother, arguing that Narcy shouldn't get the money from the estate because she had killed him or because she had had him killed. That seems like a key component. Yes. A judge ended up freezing all of the assets in Ben's estate until the courts could figure it all out. But in the meantime, she's pilfering whatever she can from the house. Ben's body is still in the morgue. And while Narcy's not arranging his funeral, she is raiding his very valuable Batman collection and stashing cash. Wait. Okay. So the mom, mm-hmm. uh, what was her name? Bernice. Bernice. that name. Mm-hmm. She died before. And so- since her husband, so Ben Sr. died. So then everything mm-hmm. was Bernice's. Then Bernice died. So then everything became Ben Jr.'s. Mm-hmm. And Ben Jr. is now dead. Well, so, I mean, she's just like funneling. So they had filed bankruptcy. So like Bernice was fine. She was like doing well. She's living in an upscale house. Right. But like, I'm sure a lot of that was because of Ben. Ben had really become successful with this convention business. So it yeah. really was all Ben's. But Bernice, was the Bernice was next in line for his estate ah, and his will. Okay, so that was more it then. Okay. Mm-hmm. But she got all them ball gowns too, probably. Okay. <laughs> On several different occasions in August of 2009, Narcy went to the bank and got into Ben's safety deposit boxes, even though she had no right to do so. She was not on the list to access that box. And when a bank representative went to stop her, Narcy told them that Ben was at home and he'd just come in later to update the paperwork giving her access. And they just believed her, I guess. She left the bank with a duffel bag. I may never be good at true crime from doing this podcast, but if I were to ever get a job at a bank, I'm not let people aren't getting away with shit because (laughs) there's so many of these like, oh, yeah, it was just like, oh, I'm his wife. And they show like a fake. No, like I am putting you through the ringer. Mm-hmm. If you asked to access anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, well, he can come in and update yeah. the work later, and that's when you can have access. 
Because right I'll need him it. to do a full blood test so I can verify that it's him and he didn't take Polyjuice Potion. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, like, my God. You can't say that when I just take it. <laughs> no one is getting past me. <laughs> Poly- that, if I were get a bank or insurance, life insurance, yep. car, no. Oh, you mean that if the person died the day that the insurance yeah. policy grew, you might bring that up to authorities and be like, yeah, hey, like- this is weird. <laughs> You know, now that you mention it, yeah, I might slide that into conversation. Everything was adding up and pointing back to Narcy, but police didn't have enough hard evidence to charge her with Ben's murder yet. And meanwhile, while detectives are all investigating Ben's murder, a reporter for the Miami Herald named Julie Knight Brown was looking into Bernice's death. Yes. She'd seen a headline about Ben's murder and thought, hmm, the murder of the son of a famous Miami Beach hotelier. There might be a story here. And the first thing she found when she looked into it was an obituary for Bernice Novak. She saw that it had been ruled an accident, but as she looked more into it, she saw that even though three months had gone by when Ben died, Bernice's autopsy still hadn't been completed. She knew something wasn't right about this, so she started digging. She found the police incident report from 2002 about that home invasion where Ben said those three men broke into his house and tied him up and Narcy was involved. In that same police report, Bernice Novak told police that Narcy had a strong dislike for her and that she'd tried to poison her the previous Sunday afternoon right before the home invasion. What? She said she'd been with Narcy drinking out of a plastic water bottle. And after Narcy left, Bernice drank some water and felt a burning feeling in her mouth. And within hours, her entire mouth was numb. And <gasps> she was certain that it had been Narcy putting something in her water. Oh, certain. Mm-hmm. Certain. But after Bernice died, only her family seemed to think that there was anything more to her death than a tragic accident. Ben had an extremely close bond with his mother. They spoke every day. And the biggest sign to him that something was off was that there had been a glass of white wine on the table in the house, and his mother did not drink white wine. Bernice's sister, Maxine. Bernice and Maxine, don't you love it? I do. I think she said it best when she was talking about Bernice's injuries, and she said, oh, she did all that herself. She just fell down and got back up and fell down like a (laughs) jack-in-the-box. Maxine. She sounds sassy. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. You have I to be, that. right? If your name's Maxine, you can't just be like, not. No, yeah, you got to be sassy. Full of sass. Mm-hmm. Maxine said that everything about her sister's death felt like a red flag to her, but not one other person believed that she might have been murdered. Not the police, not the medical examiner, nobody. The reporter, Julie Brown, she didn't understand how that was possible. Bernice had massive head injuries, a broken jaw, and a broken finger. There was blood in her car and blood splattered all over the house. In her car? So she didn't just get out and fall. Right. How how did the blood get in the car? And yes, oh my the word splattered. Ew. I know. I do, love that I do feel like we're so quick when it's someone older or like an elderly person to assume. I don't feel like murder is ever like the assumption or not that it should be an assumption, but we're so quick to write it off as like medical or an falling, accident or yeah. falling mm-hmm. and like without really looking into it. Yeah, I think you're right. And this had never been treated like a potential homicide. No fingerprints or DNA had been taken from the scene. The crime scene photographs were terrible and there weren't many of them. 
Because the Fort Lauderdale police wouldn't really talk to Julie Brown, and when they did, they didn't seem to find anything wrong with all the blood in Bernice's house, Julie called in an ex-police officer named Joe Matthews to get his expert opinion, and he said that there was blood spatter in almost every room of the house, and there was evidence that she'd been struck multiple times in the head. And so the police are saying she tripped out of her car and fell and then like wandered throughout the whole house splattering blood and maybe falling again. And it's like, who falls out of your car in a garage? Who falls so hard that you're bleeding everywhere? Like, what are you falling on? How are you bleeding? that, again, the blood goes backwards into the car. Yeah, I guess the door, if the door is still open, some could like, some drops could splash in. But like, only if you're like, massively dropping your head. Yeah, only if you slide on a whole oil spill and you bang your entire cranium on the concrete. I mean, there's just no way. This is our very unexpert opinion, but I... (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. I mean, obviously, I am very well versed in these things. And... (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. And Julie was certain that she was sitting on a murder, but all the Fort Lauderdale police would say was that it was a closed case and they weren't investigating it anymore. Yeah, they're not going to reopen it for shits and giggles, you know. Right. She didn't have a lot of information to work with, so she went and spoke with Bernice's next door neighbor, who happened to be a former linebacker with the Miami Dolphins (laughs) named John Offerdahl. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love this story so much. (laughs) Can you imagine Bernice inviting a former NFL player over for like tea? I'm sure I don't even know what Bernice looks like. I'm looking her up. Okay. She got big old glasses on. Like Marjorie. Yeah, that's who I'm picturing. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, she is a queen. Mm -hmm. He said the police had never spoken to him. And if they had, they'd have heard all about the strange men that had been prowling around Bernice's house in the weeks and months before she died. There was one night in February, which was two months before Bernice's death, where John and his son had actually chased men off of Bernice's property. Two days later, someone threw a lawn ornament through her window. A lawn ornament. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that is. I, you know what that is, Lisa. If you've driven through, yeah, if you've driven through <laughs> Florida neighborhoods where wealthy older folks reside, which I can speak on, I've been doing that ever since I started dating Russell. They love a good bird bath slash <laughs> flag slash those weird orb globe things. I mean, you name uh, it. Uh, yes, okay. statues. Right. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> While Julie is reporting on all of this in the Miami Herald, the Fort Lauderdale police are not happy. They keep complaining to her editor that she's harassing them with too many questions. And the same thing was happening to those detectives in New York, Wilson and Carpentier. So just to clarify, the Fort Lauderdale police had been not investigating Bernice's murder, but Ben's murder had happened in New York when he was up there for that convention. And so it's New York detectives that are investigating that. And the investigation really picked up steam when 10 days after the murder, investigators were sent an anonymous letter. It was several pages long. It was written in Spanish. And originally, it was given to a detective in Miami that knew absolutely nothing about the Ben Novak case, like somebody just dropped it off anonymously in Miami. (laughs) But eventually, it got to the right people 
And it would turn out to be a blueprint to the entire murder. (gasps) Detective Wilson knew whoever wrote it had inside information. And the letter basically said that Narcy's brother, Cristobal Valise, had hired some men to carry out the murder and that, quote, this crime without a doubt was committed by the wife of Mr. Novak and her brother. Why am I just not hearing his name? Because this is the first time investigators are hearing his name was in this letter. It included all of the names of the people supposedly involved. And as detectives continued investigating, every new stone they turned up would end up being in that letter. But Julie's editor wouldn't let her publish anything about the letter because it wasn't credible, because it was anonymous. And that's exactly what the Fort Lauderdale police said as well when they were shown the letter. But the Rybrook investigators were taking the letter seriously. They were at least using it like the lead it was. And so they went to talk to Narcy's brother, Cristobal, who was working as a bus driver in Philadelphia. Detectives Wilson and Carpentier met up with him at his apartment, and he was caught off guard, but he invited them in to talk. And he denied having anything to do with Ben's murder. But on his table was littered with all of these papers, and some of those papers were Western Union receipts showing that he'd been wiring money to various people. And all of it was just sitting there out in the open. And so the detectives are like trying not to draw attention to the fact that he's got these receipts on the table because like it seems like he forgot they were there, but Mm -hmm. the detectives notice. So they're trying not to draw attention to the receipts while they're talking to him, but they took advantage of a few minutes that he left the kitchen and left them alone in there to make notes about who was getting paid. And one of those names really paid off. Narcy. That would be Alejandro Garcia of Miami, who had been paid $500 one month after Ben's murder. Unfortunately, the name Alejandro Garcia in Miami is not going to get you far, but they were able to trace him to a cell phone number that ended up being his girlfriend's phone. And the girlfriend told police that Alejandro had a defective eye and that's how they ended up finding him. They looked through mugshots wow. and they found one of Alejandro Garcia that had like his eye was like had a defect. And they started comparing the mugshot with hotel security footage <sighs> from that convention weekend. And they found him there at the hotel the weekend that Ben was murdered. Whoa. $500 seems <laughs> really <laughs> like a small sum of money to kill somebody. Yeah. Agreed. Like, I don't think that that would have tipped me off. $500? Like, I wouldn't have assumed this seems like well, a hit. Well, I a think payment. that's because we don't we don't work in law enforcement, and so we yeah. haven't <laughs> seen the murders that were committed for, like, 50 bucks, you know? Like, we or just for see free, movies. I guess. Yeah, we just see movies where hitmen are, like, super rich and getting, like, $50,000 a, a hit, you know? But even Trailer really- Terry wasn't doing that. <laughs> Well, Trailer Terry had a moral compass, Mogat. Alejandro. That's Trailer Terry from our cheerleader episode. No, people know about Trailer Terry. I've not let Trailer (laughs) Terry go. I've been talking about him for about two years now almost. So this hotel security footage leads them to another guy, Joel Gonzalez, who was seen talking to Alejandro frequently on the security tapes. And I, I think his name is probably Joel, but it was pronounced Joel in like all the Datelines. But I think they're like you know, Americanizing it. I think it's probably Hoel. So we'll call him Hoel. Right? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right. Better to go with what Dateline keeps saying. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with Dateline. Dateline's never been wrong about anything. (laughs) (laughs) They only report facts. 
(laughs) (laughs) Detectives were certain that Joel and Alejandro were casing the hotel to prepare for the murder and that Narcy's brother Cristobal had hired them to come to New York to kill Ben. It was a theory with some legs, and detectives would spend the next few months gathering evidence to try to prove it. They got credit card statements, banking statements, phone numbers. Once they had all these phone numbers, they could track the movements of the phones and who was calling who. They wanted to arrest Narcy and Cristobal for both Ben and Bernice's murders, but they needed some of these other players to cooperate to make that happen. Alejandro was brought in on an unrelated outstanding warrant in Miami, and through an interpreter, he told them that he'd never been to New York, never even been out of Florida. And not once. Right, not one time. He was confronted with pictures of himself at the hotel in (laughs) New York. That's my favorite. And then he was confronted with a recording of Cristobal telling detectives that it had been Alejandro Garcia who had done the murder. (laughs) I obviously don't work in like police investigation, but I have had the opportunity to show someone a photo of them denying that they were at a certain place doing a certain thing. And it does bring me great joy. (laughs) It does. Because there's just no response. There's no response. Like after they've already doubled down that they did not participate in said thing. And you're like, okay, tell me about this then. And they're like, (laughs) no comment. No comment. And that's basically what Alejandro said. He (laughs) continued to deny it. And finally, he told his interpreter that there were too many questions and he'd rather have an attorney. So Detective Carpentier came in at that time and told him that he was going to be booked on charges of murder. Meanwhile, his buddy Joel had been on the run, but it wasn't long before he turned himself into the Miami PD and told them everything. Oh, Alejandro followed suit not long after, and it was a good thing, too, because Cristobal had been trying to have him killed. This is... I need a chart. He he thought that Alejandro had gone to Nicaragua, and he'd actually contacted people down in Nicaragua to have him killed. (laughs) Why there? Did they just assume? I don't know why he thought that Alejandro had gone to Nicaragua. Maybe a little birdie told him that. I don't know. But he hadn't. Cristobal was clearly in charge of this group, but it was Narcy who was really pulling the strings. Yeah, she in charge of all this. Alejandro was now safe in police custody, along with Joel, and they tell police an absolutely horrifying story. To probably no one's surprise, it was Narcy who let them into Ben's hotel room that morning while he was sleeping. They stood over his bed and hit him with weights over and over and over again, about a dozen times or so. Oh, my God. And he ended up on the floor where they duct taped his legs and his mouth. And Narcy was telling them what to do every step of the way. She even sent Alejandro back into the bedroom to take out Ben's eyes. Why? To my knowledge, Narcy has never said why she wanted the eyes. Maybe because of his wandering eyes. I don't know. And then while investigators are working out a deal with Alejandro to testify against Narcy and Cristobal, he confessed to Bernice's murder as well. He said that Cristobal approached him to kill Bernice and that he was hired by him for both attacks, but that Narcy was the mastermind behind all of it. And he still was only paid $500. $500. Well, maybe that was just one payment of many. I'm not sure, but... (sighs) Also, I think to somebody coming here from Nicaragua, $500 might be a fortune to that person. You know, it's all perspective. 
But this put the Fort Lauderdale police in a really weird spot because they're like, Bernice's death was an accident. And they're like, no, we murdered her. And so that forced them to reopen this investigation into Bernice's death. You know, here they are just screaming about how this had been a tragic accident for months and months. And now here was someone confessing to the murder. If they'd investigated it as a murder properly at the start, it's possible that Ben might have taken his own safety a little more seriously, maybe even hired a bodyguard to protect him, and potentially might not have been murdered. They weren't masterminds. Like, they probably would have been caught. (laughs) I'm sure she had cameras or the football player next door probably had cameras. Yeah. Probably could have identified them. In July of 2010, almost exactly a year after Ben was murdered, the FBI arrested Narcy, Cristobal, and the other accomplices and charged yes. them with the murder of Ben Novak. Narcy. <laughs> On July 15, 2010, the Broward County Medical Examiner reclassified the death of Bernice Novak as a homicide. And a year after that, Narcy and Cristobal were indicted for her murder. What, a, what's, what about May? How is she? Uh, We'll get to May. Okay. We will get to May. Alejandro and Joel both made deals with the prosecution, as well as this guy named Dennis Ramirez, who had been the getaway driver in New York. All of them made these deals in exchange for a lighter sentence. Narcy and Cristobal were tried together, and the evidence against them was overwhelming. Yeah. His credit card had been used to buy the dumbbells that were used to kill Ben, as well as the knife. It's a hotel. They have them there. (laughs) They brought their own dumbbells. <laughs> and why this is dumbbells? like when they used cash for the sandwiches. We did right. another case where they used cash for the sandwiches and then used credit cards when they went to like the Home Depot to buy the right. bone saw. Like, y'all. <laughs> that would be uh, – The hotel has Robert, um Durst. <laughs> Robert Durst, yes. Ugh. There was video at Western Union showing Cristobal had sent money to Alejandro, one of the confessed hitmen. Uh He'd used his car and his own phone. Against Narcy, they had phone calls on a secret phone that that was used to call the hitmen while they waited at a gas station down the street. Did it show them in the hotel hallway, too, going up to that room? There were no – I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think there were any cameras that were pointing at that door or, like, I just thought there'd be some in the the hall somewhere. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there were. And, of course, they also had Alejandro and Joel's testimony, who testified against them. Yeah. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. The defense tried a couple of different tactics. First, of course, they tried to discredit Alejandro and Joel, obviously. And then they said it was actually someone else who had been behind it the whole time. You'll never guess who. May? May Abbott, Narcy's no. daughter. She actually killed Ben and framed Narcy and Cristobal for it so that she would be the one to get all of the money. You know, with Narcy, that. with no, the, the defense. Wow. With Narcy out of the picture, May and her kids were next in line. May was set to get a $150,000 flat fee, and the rest of Ben's estate was to be split amongst her two sons. Isn't that some shit, though? Like, May's like, I was shipped off to boarding school. I didn't even necessarily want to come back. Now I come back. I start making amends. And now I'm, like, (laughs) being accused of murder by my mother. Yeah. May said that she had no idea that her name or her boy's names were anywhere in that will. 
I wouldn't have assumed. Yeah, I wouldn't have assumed that either. Cristobal said that May had actually had him kidnapped and held tied up in a basement for 18 days while she drove around in his truck with his cell phone and credit cards, framing him for everything. She has two boys, right? Uh-huh. She ain't got time for that. <laughs> she has two little boys. Yeah. Yeah. She has no time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Alejandro testified that May had actually been next on the hit list. She was the next person that he was supposed to kill for Cristobal. Alejandro had a picture of May in his wallet when he was arrested by police because there was a hit on her. I feel like that's dumb. Detective Carpentier. Yeah. Right. It's like 2010. Put it on your phone. (laughs) Detective Carpentier was so concerned about May's safety. May knew she needed to move apartments because they knew where she lived, but she didn't have the money to do it. The prosecutor's office was trying to get her the money, but the paperwork would take time. Detective Carpentier knew that they might not have time. So she loaned May $5,000 of her own money to oh, get her into hiding. What a peep of the week. I know. This caused her to be removed from the case because of that. Yeah. And the defense would end up calling it buying witness testimony. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The trial lasted two months. And in the end, Cristobal and Narcy were both convicted of both Ben and Bernice Novak's murders as well as conspiracy to commit murder, domestic violence, stalking, money laundering, and witness tampering. And they were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Oh, wow. Without parole. I'm Mm -hmm. surprised that they got Bernice. I mean, I I could just see that being harder to like get that. Well, because they had Alejandro and Joel confessing to it and saying that this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Narcy waived her right to appear in court when she was sentenced. Hmm. And in the end, it all came down to money. Narcy knew that Ben was going to leave her for Rebecca, and so she had to kill Ben to make sure that she got the money. But Ben's will left the money first to Bernice as the primary beneficiary. Narcy would only get the money if Bernice died before Ben. And with all of these people involved, she really thought she was just going to get away with this, when the best they had for an alternative suspect was May. Oh, I I just don't. I get that there's something chemically different in these people's brains than mine. But you have no money now. In fact, you're in a one-size-fits-all orange romper and you're eating bologna sandwiches. Right. And like that's you know, your alternative. There was a prenup between them and originally it was really bad. Like when they first got married, their prenup was like she would get like $65,000 in a divorce or something. It was like nothing. But they had a post-nup that they filed that gave her like a substantial amount of money. It wasn't all of it. You know, she wouldn't have gotten yeah. the whole thing, obviously, like she would with him dead. But she would have got like she would have been fine, you know, if they had divorced. Like yeah, she would have been find fine. another rich person to marry. I don't know. You just can't kill people. And then you know what? If you're that terrible and you do it, don't frame your daughter. Like, for Christ's sake, why does that keep happening? Why does that keep happening? Why is this the second case we've done where Ugh. somebody tried to frame their own daughter for honestly, murders they committed? Louise be wearing me out, but <laughs> thanks for never. <laughs> I mean, honestly, at this <laughs> point, that's the bar is on the floor. <laughs> Truly. Uh. Ben's estate, as far as I know, it's still tied up in Florida courts. I don't, I'm not sure if this has been resolved yet, but it should all go to May Abad and her two sons. 
I know for a while there, Narcy was trying to use the estate to pay her legal fees, which were over like a million dollars. But the judge froze the estate because if Narcy was convicted of his murder, which she was, she would be ineligible to receive any inheritance from Ben. So he's like, no, you can't use this to pay. I'm glad that's for some reason. I feel like I could see that not being something that had been worked out. Right. <laughs> like they're like, oh, that's a loophole we didn't think through. I <laughs> didn't see that coming. May, I hope you're living high high on the hog. May said that Narcy didn't see what she had right in front of her, her daughter and two grandkids who totally loved her. And now she has nothing. Yeah, not even her own reputation. Right. Also, the person that wrote that anonymous letter, mm-hmm. it was one of Narcy and Cristobal's sisters. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. One of their sisters knew what they had done, couldn't take it, and wrote the letter to detectives Good on detailing her. the whole crime. Wow. So they weren't even being like quiet about it, you know? Yeah. They had so many people involved. And you think $500 is going to keep them quiet when they're looking at like life in prison? <laughs> yeah. Also, like sisters, God love them, but they'll, <laughs> they'll be dirty. <laughs> yeah. And that is the murder of wow, Bernice and Ben really Novak. Crazy. Yeah. You know, I did I didn't <laughs> shocker, I did not know this story, but <laughs> that's a wild I one. Yeah, wasn't that a wild one? Wow. All right. Do we have do we have any shout outs? Yeah, I guess. They're not gonna be as fun as last time. <laughs> if y'all did not hang on. If y'all are skippers <laughs> and skipped our shout outs last time, hey, go back. Then you missed Mogab asking me to be a bridesmaid and her I did. It's going to be so fun. And I did not catch on for way too long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that, that was, was good. Was trying to ask me. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. That was a good one. That was fun. I'm going to have Kristen go live on our Instagram from the <laughs> dance floor. Yes. Man, this is so fun to have shout out time again. Shout I out am Gonna go first because I need you to explain the second one to me. So, shouts to Melissa Chambers. Melissa, not me. Wait, Mel. Oh, let me redo this. Mel is not Melissa. Short for Melissa. Melissa. Melissa Chambers, girl. I got you. Shouts to Haley Kristen. I shot JR on Dallas. Haley Miller. So I, it was a quote from a an old show, Dallas, that I've like never watched. It was like an older show, but it's a very famous quote from this show because it was like, who shot JR was like the big cliffhanger. It was like before cliffhangers were really a thing in TV, they ended this season with one of the main characters being shot. And so the whole thing was like, who shot JR? Who shot JR? And um, it's just always kind of been a running gag because... They were like one of the oh. first cliffhangers on this show. And so it was Who Shot JR? Well, I didn't, I knew that Who Shot JR, we say it all the time, but I didn't know that the person that shot JR was named Kristen. Like I had no oh. idea. And I was like, how did I not know that Kristen shot JR? And well, I was, talk- I was talking to somebody about it, I think in our Facebook group, they said something. And I'll bet Haley Miller, correct me if I'm wrong, I bet that it was you that I was talking to that about oh, well let me just tell you when i saw this i thought i cannot deal with murder confessions on the shout out list so 
I wonder if Kristen's her middle name, like Haley Kristen Miller. Is that your middle name? Yeah, or do you not want that on the? Because you put Haley Miller on the. Well, she said name you would like use Haley Kristen, but then she put Haley Miller. Well, we just put her full name out there. So sorry, Haley. All right. (laughs) She didn't really shoot anyone though. I get it now. She did not really shoot somebody. No, this was not a confession. (laughs) I was like, is this a JFK (laughs) thing? Okay. Uh. <laughs> Ooh, Tiffany Burris, sister. Thanks so much for listening. Major shouts to you. Thank you, Tiffany. Major shouts. And a major shouts to Olivia. And double, double shouts to Olivia for not making me try to say your last name. <laughs> she said, you should be able to manage just the you Olivia should, part, obviously. Just the Olivia part, yes. <laughs> I did. And I think I managed it just fine. You managed perfect. Excellent. Uh Stephanie French. Stephanie with an F. Way to mix it up, sis. Stephanie with an F. They're very phonetic. I like the phonetics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet you do as a teacher. Uh-huh. And last but not least on this episode, thank you so much to Sarah Thistlewaite, which I love that last name. That's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, what a good one. I like how she said Sarah like Sarah, though. Sarah like Sarah, like dumbasses. <laughs> like, come this. on. Sarah like Sarah. Thistle, like the purple weed. Thwaite rhymes with weight. That was a perfect phonetic pronunciation. We truly love shout outs. And we truly Ah. love all of you patrons for signing up. If you don't have your shout out, go fill out the form. And and check out all the great content over there. And if you have already signed up and you haven't heard your shout out, then it is coming in a future episode. So don't worry. Yeah, we're on our shout outs for June. So we just did some from the beginning of June. And make sure you listen through. They're fun. Yeah. You missed Kristen being asked to be a bridesmaid if you haven't stayed yeah, on. Skippers. Well, I'm sure those people have already left this episode too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not listening to our chastisement. Should we just keep going? I'm just kidding. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us while we took our long break too. We really yeah. appreciate y'all coming back. Sorry. Thank you so much for listening. We didn't talk about the Patreon at all. Well, we this just episode. did. They know. The people know. Sign up. <laughs> support our habits if you would like bonus episodes we put a full-length bonus episode out once a month at the five dollar level you could bump it up two dollars more for our mini creeps we just released one last week on what we did over our break but sometimes we play games sometimes we talk true crime they're just shorter episodes so if you would like to go see what we offer on our patreon head on over to patreon.com slash true crime creepers For all our current Patreon peeps, we love you guys so much. We truly appreciate your support. And make sure to follow us on all of our social medias. We're at Creepers Pod on Instagram is really where we're the most active. Instagram and our Facebook group, the True Crime Creepers discussion group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. We are in there all the time. So come say hi. Come join. And make sure to subscribe. Yeah, come hang out with us and make sure to subscribe to True Crime Creepers or follow. I think they're calling it now on Apple Podcasts (laughs) so that you know exactly when our next episode drops when I'll tell Mogab another wild story. Yeah. And leave us a five-star rating or review. We want to hit 500 and we're so close. We truly appreciate it. Yes, we do. Love you all. Bye, peeps and creeps. Bye.